The Tower, Episode 27, The Titans TV Show, Episode 10. Hey everyone, this is your host Peter. Before I jump into my thoughts on episode 10, which was the second to last episode of this first season, I have listener feedback for episode 9, which was the Hank and Dawn episode. And this feedback is from Steve Vale, and he has a really great thought about uh, that episode and the Titans show in particular. This is a post from the website. He writes, I've been watching the whole series episode by episode with a friend, and we both agree with you. This is the worst episode of them all, meaning the uh, Hank and Dawn episode, episode 9. I've either read or watched a YouTube video that stated, and I don't remember if this was actually facts or just speculation, that what we have here is a kind of Frankenstein monster that this is actually two different shows, an earlier show that was produced for a different network, and the final product polished for the DC Universe streaming service. And therefore, what we get with an episode like this is something from a totally different arc, and we can see the seams and the bad stitching. For example, shoehorning Rachel into the mirror and the computer screen, reaching out to Hank, which makes no sense. But their introduction into the series also makes no sense. Dick's going to just show up with a grown teenage girl without calling to a couple he hasn't seen in years and just try and dump her with them and then leave, not to mention a couple with whom he had some friction. And since we later meet Donna Troy, why not her? There was a Titan series that was in development for TNT, I believe. There were all these rumors and speculations Things like it was going to be named something different, something with birds in the title, because you had Dick Grayson as Robin. I'm assuming you had Raven, probably Hawk and Dove, right? Uh, So there is some merit to what he's saying here, and maybe that is why some of that storyline does feel like it's just snuck in there, right? And could also be why that particular episode just uh, also feels like it comes out of the blue. Steve also has some words about Akiva Goldsman and um, wondered why they went with this Titan show, uh, you know, something that feels a little messy, when they could have just launched with Young Justice, and maybe that would have really garnered some good response, because, uh, you know, Young Justice has a, a great track record with viewers. And then he says here, I suspect that Doom Patrol and Swamp Thing will be much better, which will be nice. So, yeah, I don't know, I'm, you know, if maybe because it was Jeff Johns, uh, he loves the Titans universe, maybe that's why we got that. Maybe it is because there was that original series from TNT that was supposed to come out, and I don't know, contracts and TV studio contracts, who, know, who knows what timelines may play into this, so... But still, that's a a great thought, and uh, I do appreciate you writing that feedback, Steve. And the same goes for anybody who 
uh, put out a like or retweeted, uh, you know, an episode from here on the tower or the daily Rios. I really do appreciate all the support. I read everything, even if I neglect to respond, I, I do read everything. And, uh, you know, again, thank you for your support in 2018 and in this new year, 2019. So let's jump to episode 10 entitled Coriander. Now, I have yet to see the final episode. I have not watched episode 11 yet. So those of you listening might have a better idea about the finale than I do. So some of the things here that I am speculating on or whatever, you know, obviously may not come out to play. And from some of the feedback that I got about the finale or just general chatter on Twitter, um, maybe I should save this for the end in case somebody hasn't seen the finale yet, but it kind of feels like the story hasn't wrapped up. And I think we probably knew that. I might have mentioned something like that, that it feels like none of this is going to get resolved by the end of this first season. But I almost wonder how much of anything gets resolved in the next episode. But we're not here to talk about the finale. We're here to talk about the episode before the finale. So we open um, at the cliffhanger from episode eight. Rachel is walking around in a hospital. It's a backwards version of the hospital where Hank and Dawn are in episode nine. And we jump back to the moment where Rachel is being held by the neck by Coriander. And of course, in comes Dick and Donna and manage to pull Corey off of Raven. I love that Donna is stronger and, at least for now, better, a better fighter than Corey is. She should absolutely kick her ass. At least that's what I think. Even though there's proof in the comics that they are somewhat, they could go somewhat neck and neck. But Donna should be stronger, and uh, I love it. I love that we saw her lasso. There was a really interesting tug-of-war match going on. And then when Donna finally pulled Corey to her and punched her and knocked her out, uh, I almost got the sense that Corey wasn't being pulled, but rather that she was flying. And I don't know if that's just because of the way that it was filmed or the special effect or whatever. But yes, Wonder Girl was pulling her, pulling her by the lasso. But there was a moment there I was like, ooh, is that a tease that she can, that Corey can fly? So anyway, Gar responds by saying, you're Wonder Girl. And she says, I was. Uh, I continue to love that Gar is a superhero fanboy. Um, it's a nice little uh, character development for him. He's always been someone that's been caught up in pop culture uh, and TV and all that in the comics, so I like that they are that they are converting that into being sort of like a fanboy, and it could be a way. Maybe he's a character that could cross over into into the other DC uh, universe shows, for instance, Doom Patrol, obviously, but even Swamp Thing. If you think about like connections that Swamp Thing could have if they develop the whole thing about the green and then they create something like the red, which is supposed to be like the animal force of the world or the universe. Um, I don't know. There could be something interesting about that. Maybe Gar could bounce back and forth. He could be the, uh, he could be the um, Nick Fury uh, or the uh, Tony Stark of this universe and, and just be everywhere. 
Then we get some more Corey flashbacks. I did like in this flashback that we see we see her in a full bodysuit. And the bodysuit, even though it's not a metal bikini or anything like that, it does have basic design elements that are similar to the Perez design silhouette. So I kind of like that. I think we hear in this flashback, I think we hear something like, I am darkness destroyer of worlds. So is that Trigon? Is that Raven? Is it Corey? I mean, right now, the running theory is that it is Raven and Trigon, but, you know, who knows? And then Corey drives off because she's upset that she hurt Rachel. I love that as she's driving off, Donna whips out a Wonder Girl Star Tracer. <laughs> it's like this little uh, star-shaped shurikin, and she just zoop, and she throws it right against the truck, and she looks at Dick and says, hey, you're not the only one with cool gadgets. That was kind of fun. So we go back to Rachel Ma Rachel's mom's house. Uh, there is that mysterious cold room upstairs. We'll get that answer later about what that is. Dick and Donna follow Corey. I love that their relationship is really spot on. They really just know each other. Donna can instantly recognize that Dick and Corey are sleeping together. And she says to him, you have a thing for dangerous women, except for Dawn. You effed that up. She really knows Dick. They just really get Donna right, and uh, I'm so appreciative of that. I hope they don't do anything where they try to darken her up. It's kind of nice that she's one of the more she's one of the lighter characters in the show, even if she does have some background. So anyway, uh, then we get this random character, this sheriff named Tommy Carson, who knows Angela, who knows Raven's mother. They were high school classmates, and um, this this will play itself out, you know, soon enough. Inside the house, Gar and Rachel are talking to each other, and I got a legit jump scare in this scene. Uh, Gar tries to reach out and touch Rachel, and her soul self jumps out at him and says, don't touch me, um, just erupts right from her. So I like the design of her soul self in this show. That is one thing I do like. It's not quite the Perez Raven design, but I imagine it could, um, it could become that, you know, soon enough, or maybe that's something they're saving for later. Angela and Rachel have a discussion. Angela says to her, you have to hold on to the people you care about, the people you love. I never should have given you to Melissa. I should have run away with you, not from you. Don't make the same mistake I did, Rachel. It left me all alone. And as I was talking about in episode uh, eight, it really just continues to feel like she's grooming Rachel and manipulating her emotions. And this is another thing we'll get an answer to later on in this episode. Gar goes up and visits that cold, creepy room. He looks in a mirror sees himself with blood in his mouth, and the mirror is some kind of portal, or at least um, it's further proof that the house is not right. There's a sense that the house is bringing out a lot of the inner demons, sometimes literally, like bringing out Gar's beast side, or bringing out Corey's inner self, which is why she attacked Rachel. And this is something that we've been getting all along with Rachel every time she looks in a mirror. We've, we've been seeing that demonic side of her or her father's side or whatever. 
So now all the Titans are kind of experiencing that. Gar goes outside and he sees the man that he killed a few episodes back. And he even says to Rachel, what I've been saying, he says something isn't right about this house. And not only about the house, but, you know, clearly Angela, as we're going to find out. Eventually, Dick and Donna catch up to Corey. We get a little bit of a confrontation between the two girls. And Donna says, I'm the one who knocked you out. Corey says, I bet you can't do it twice. And I'm thinking, oh, I bet she can. (laughs) Uh, They go to a warehouse and we find Corey's ship. We find a spaceship. How it got into the warehouse, I have no idea. But there it is, this giant spaceship. She goes up to it. She says, Exal which is right from the comics, right? X apostrophe H-A-L. I don't know if that's the name of the ship. Is it her password? I hope it's still the name of her god, the god of the uh, Vega system. In any event, it's, uh, you know, just a further insight into the mystery behind Corey. And then we learn some more about Corey's mission once we're inside the ship. And she says, I come from a planet called Tamaran, And unless Rachel dies, my world will. Someone from another dimension is coming. He came here long ago to destroy the world, but he was banished. And his name is Trigon. And Rachel is his daughter, and she is the anchor that will keep him here this time. And all worlds will burn. They also learn from a book that Rachel is the key in defeating Trigon, but only after 400 days of consecutive warrior training, which made me think, hmm, that does feel like issue six in the original Wolfman Perez run, where in order to defeat Trigon, Robin came up with a plan where they, uh, you know, sort of combined their abilities and that was the way that they defeated Trigon. So I could imagine that the same thing could be done here. If you think about it, Dick has years of experience as a warrior, uh, being Robin. Donna has years of experience being Wonder Girl and being an Amazon. Corey probably has experience being an alien warrior. If you combine all those things and get Rachel to have all of that in her... We don't, we don't need a literal 400 days of, of warrior training. We just need the experience. So I'm wondering if that's how they're going to eventually defeat Trigon. We get some more grooming by Angela, uh, where she says things like, this thing you call darkness, it doesn't have to be that. You can decide how to use it, but you've helped people too. You have and you will again. You will use whatever's inside you to help people. So as I expected, and Donna learns, Angela eventually shows her true colors. She poisons Gar. She kills that random sheriff. She continues to manipulate Rachel and tells her that her father can save Gar because Rachel doesn't know what's going on with Gar. He's coughing up blood. She doesn't know that Angela poisoned her. So Angela gets Raven to call forth her father once and for all. So Rachel reaches into a mirror, right? Mirrors, portals. Um, And she brings out Trigon. She brings out her father. There's an interesting little special effect here. It's kind of subtle if you don't watch it close enough. As he is reaching his arm out to Rachel, it's a demonic arm. It may even be red, the, 
the way they shoot this is so dark, it's hard to tell. But um, so he reaches out. It looks like a demonic arm and a hand, but then there's this a special there's a special effect, and it looks like the special effect they use in the X Men movies for when Mystique changes, and it goes up his arm and he turns to human as he's stepping out of the mirror. So my first thought is, come on, I hope we see his demonic form sometime. But I thought that was a nice little subtle touch. Rachel manages to get him to save Gar. He has a little bit of dialogue here where he says, uh, you know, the boy is so unusual. The boy or the beast, you'll have a lifetime to decide. In essence, you know, playing on his name, Beast Boy. And, you know, I wonder how is this going to come back to haunt Gar, that Trigon was the one that saved him. I'm sure this will come up later. So Trigon is finally freed. He is in a human form. He says, I'm finally home. And without Raven hearing, Angela says, is it time to eat the world? And Trigon says, not until her heart breaks. And that's how the episode ends. Well, it ends with Dick, Donna, and Corey rushing back to the house. Uh, Dick runs into the house, but for some reason Donna and Corey are blocked by a portal. And we don't know why just yet. And that's actually how the episode ends. Now, I'm not a fan of the actor playing Trigon. Maybe it's a little too early to tell. Maybe I'm being a little harsh. Um, he seems a little too soft. Um, his voice is high, a little higher pitched than I would I would hope. Um, and I probably should have expected that they were going to go with a human form first in this kind of show. In a show that doesn't have a lot to do with costumes and outside of the Doom Patrol episode doesn't have a lot of special effects in terms of character um, design. Um, yeah, I should have expected it, but I was kind of like, eh, they probably could have found someone different. But anyway, now let's talk about this cliffhanger. The cliffhanger for episode eight, where Corey uh, attacks Rachel and has her by her throat. And I talked about how in that particular moment, why would Rachel reach out to Hank and Dawn or even give them the idea to go look for Jason Todd in that particular cliffhanger, right? When Dick and Donna were kind of nearby. I kind of feel like they should have saved that uh, call. They should have saved that like emergency call for this particular moment. So when Trigon was coming out and Rachel screams, there could have been a flash of something, like not even maybe a warning, but just a sense of danger that all the people that Rachel has come in contact with, that they would receive it, right? So it's less of like intentional call out and more of just like almost like a subconscious warning that she's in danger. That kind of cliffhanger, I could see. I could see it then being about Dick and Donna and Hank and Dawn and Jason. And you even could have had the cliffhanger be here with this particular episode and then do the Hank and Dawn episode. I don't I don't know if I would have minded it so much. Who knows? Maybe I might have. But anyway, that's how this episode ends. That's where the cliffhanger uh, felt like it should have been, you know, but, um, you know, who am I? I'm not... I'm not the one creating this, right? And uh, it's not always about what I wanted, and it's about what I saw. And uh, what I saw was maybe a missed opportunity. All in all, not a terrible episode. We got some answers about some things. 
And, uh, you know, we'll see where we go with the finale when I talk about that in next episode. All right, so this has been The Tower, Episode 27. Send me some email, peter at thedailyreels.com. Visit the website, thedailyreels.com. Comment on the website if you want. Follow me on Twitter and subscribe through iTunes, Android, Stitcher, or Google Play. Looking forward to all of this getting wrapped up next episode. And looking forward to seeing if uh, questions get answered or if we just get put on to some big old cliffhanger again for season two, which is kind of what my thought is. If you've seen this episode, or even if you've seen the finale, reach out. Um, I won't read it until I watch it, but I would love to hear your thoughts. And for those of you who waited all uh, 10 or 11, 11 episodes to wrap up so you could binge watch, I hope you go and check out this podcast and this series of podcasts as well. All right, talk to you soon. Bye.